You're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Welcome back to another episode of Podiatry Marketing. I'm here, uh, I'm Jim McDonald here with my co-host as always, Tyson Franklin. Tyson, how's things going today? It is really good. Jim, what are we up to? Episode seven. It's come along pretty fast. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already at this level, but I'm really excited about uh, what we're going to be talking today about uh, putting your services center stage. So lead us into that. What are we, you know, what are your, what's your feedback on that area? Well, it's, it's making your favorite services center stage. So it's going back and thinking, and we may have touched on this briefly uh, in some of the other episodes, and we'll constantly talk about this again, but it's what do you love doing in podiatry? What do you like doing more often than anything else? doesn't mean it's the only thing you want to do, but what do you really love doing in podiatry and what do you want to do more of? And then it's taking those that thinking, or what, what you love to do, what you want more of, and making it center stage in everything that you do and all the marketing that you're actually putting together. So for example, if we were talking about your website, if I came to your website, regardless of what it is that you love doing, so whether it was running, diabetes, it could be nail surgery, when I come to your website, that thing that you love doing more than anything else should be center stage. As soon as I come to your website, that should be the first thing that I see. That makes a lot of sense, because obviously, uh, you want to differentiate yourself in the market from other podiatrists or other service providers, and by having that be upfront, it makes a lot of sense for that for that to be there. Um, you talk about websites. You know, when it comes to like offline marketing uh, and kind of like you know putting that out there in the public, what are some ways you think that it can work well uh, with that? As I as then keeping your favorite services center stage. Yeah, yeah, just some examples like a real world. Obviously, the website, you know, pictures of it, you know, yeah. links to it, a good description of those things, but. You know, when it comes to more uh, traditional forms of marketing, what are some ways that you think that would work well? Well, well simple things. If you're going to do a, a face-to-face talk, you're going to do a community talk somewhere, then organize your community talks around the things that you really like doing. So if you don't want to do more general podiatry, then don't do talks to groups where the topic is going to be general podiatry. Now, I used to do a, a talk every year to the Independent Retirees Association. And it was a, it's a group of people you know, over a certain age who do not get any money off the government to retire. They are self-funded retirees. And why they used to get me coming back to do my talk was they said they'd had podiatrists in the past, but they'd always come and talk about cutting toenails, corns and calluses on the feet, diabetes, circulation tests. And they said they found that really, really boring because their doctor would mention that, their diabetes education would talk about that. So I used to come in and I would talk about problems that would occur when they were walking and running and trying to keep active and being at the gym. And through that, my goal was leading everything towards orthotic therapy or some treatment based around keeping active. They loved my talk every year. Every year kept me coming back. We would have maybe 25 to 35 people in the room. And I guarantee every year I would pick up between 10 to 12 new patients that became orthotic patients every time I did that talk. So I could have gone in there and just talked about everything about podiatry, which a lot of people do. They become, they're going to do a talk for Rotary or Lions or some some community group. And they go, oh, I must talk about everything because I want to talk to everybody in the room. No, find what you love doing, 
what's the type of services and treatment you want to do more of and then go in there with that focus and that's all you talk about and I nailed that time and time again with community talks. It makes a lot of sense, right? Because uh, I, th- I think you bring up a really good point that you know we, as podiatrists, you know whether it's during our schooling, during our training, and during practice, there's so many different procedures, so many different types of things we can treat. Um, but if we go into these different public opportunities or other opportunities with our marketing and just try to say everything at a very surface level it makes us pretty hard to distinguish from other providers in the local area. So I think that's a, a pretty smart way to approach it. Yeah, and it keeps your message really simple. So if I was going to do a talk to a community group, I'll, I'll stay on that subject, I knew what I had to take with me to make my talk better. So whether if I was doing a PowerPoint presentation or if I was just going to get up there and stand and talk, the props that I used and the demonstration that I was going to do was very, very simple and it was very focused. And then I was only ever going to get questions based on the topic that I spoke about, which could then lead on to other things. But if I got up there and said, oh, I'm going to talk about everything about podiatry, and I've got 20 minutes. Let's cover everything I do in podiatry in 20 minutes. I, I did a video uh, about two years ago. I should reshoot it. And it was about getting your message out there and not diluting it. And I was talking about making a rum and coke. And I, I got three different types of rum and I put it in the glasses and I said, if, if, if the message, the thing that you love doing or the treatment that you, you want to talk about, you want to put out there more, you could have put a decent whack of rum in that glass. Then you add the Coke and when you taste it, you can really tell the difference between different types of rums. Whereas if you put a little bit of rum in each glass and dilute it down with Coke, which is trying to spread your message too far and you drink it one, it just tastes like Coke not worth even putting rum in there and you can't tell the difference between the rum so if people are hearing these podiatrists talk about everything about podiatry here and another one's talking about everything about podiatry here all of a sudden all the podiatrists become really beige whereas if you talk about the things that you love doing more than anything else and really focus on that area then people will actually hear that message no it makes sense to be like uh, be that specialized but also just be relevant to the needs of your audience i think finding that right message and audience fit fit is a huge um, opportunity that like you said sometimes gets glazed over the fact that we have all this stuff that we can do and we want to talk about everything Um, but you know i think when you're in front of those folks you know time is a huge Mm. um you know opportunity and uh, you don't have you know it's not like you're you're in front of this group for you know every day for a week or you know once a month or something where you can really lead them through um, different opportunities that may be worth your practice, but having a, a tight um, talk that's relevant to them and also values their time so they get something out of it. Maybe it's something that's actionable or you know you become a resource for them that they didn't necessarily knew existed in their community. Um, it only gives you an opportunity to kind of connect with them, but you might also be able to connect with with their network as well if you get known for that specific specialty or procedure or being the expert in that kind of um you know that center you know kind of being center stage on those specific types of services you're talking about um in those community talks well good part when you when you really focus a community talk into one area and then when you finish and you talk like i would always turn up on time never turn up late for a community talk do my talk, and I would always stay afterwards for tea, coffee, biscuits, bit of cake to talk to everybody. I would never be re- to rush out the door because what I wanted to know after I did the talk, 
What did you think of the talk? Did you have any questions? Do you know any other groups that you think would be interested in this talk? And it'd be surprising how that talk led on to another talk. And that's why when you when you focus your energy into one area that you like, then it becomes a lot easier to be known for that as well. And I know some people get scared that, oh, if I... And it's not just niching your practice in one area. It's just niching your marketing. Well, it's talking about what you love doing and just putting it center stage with everything that you're doing. And some podiatrists get scared. Oh, if I do that, I will lose patients. I'll guarantee you, we're not going to lose patients by doing that. When when I set up the Mackay Clinic, we were 100% just sports and biomechanics. That's all we did. I'll guarantee every day of the week, we had someone ringing up, can you clip my toenails? Not once did we ever mention it, but we still had people ringing up. Oh, can you do a diabetes check? Can you do this? Now, we had the clinic set up and we're, no, we can't. We're just focusing on one area. But with the Cairns Clinic, yes, those patients still came in, but the things I love doing, I kept making center stage, like I said, website. Every time I write an editorial, I'm thinking, am I writing an editorial on something that I love doing and I want to make center stage in my clinic? If we were having a media release done on the clinic, I would only talk about the things that I wanted to make center stage, not every aspect of podiatry. So it's something you, you really have to keep focused and keep it top of mind to remind yourself to do that. I think it's great that, you know, kind of at the end of your talk or when you're done with your talk, there's kind of three areas by, you know, sticking around, whether it be a formal question, question and answer section, or like you said, more informally, you know, discussing with, um, with that audience, you know, over, you know, tea or a beverage or something afterwards. But number one, like you said, it's, um, it gives them a chance to ask, you know, direct questions um, to kind of like for you to prove that you are kind of that specialist because they probably have specific questions where you're obviously not giving medical advice or doing an yeah. exam there after the talk, but they, they can get some value from that. Number two, like you said, you're seeing how well it was received. Like it gives you a chance to evaluate, you know, what you, you know, how did it go, right? Did it go over well? Was I relevant with my message? And they get, did they get out of it what I was hoping that they would? Um, and then number three, I think that, you know, when, when you, when you do it like that, like you said, it becomes this like an opportunity to kind of be a connector or almost kind of like multiply your message by asking, you know, hey, I'm happy you enjoyed this talk. Are there any other groups you're a part of? You know, so you can use a similar talk. You don't have to go back, make a brand new talk every single time, right? If there's relevant or similar groups within your community or near your community, you can, you know, just repurpose that talk and do the exact same thing again with maybe a few improvements that you learned along the way. But that's a huge um, opportunity to kind of like, number one, get your name out there, but also just like, you know, show the community that you have a valuable service to provide. I think the other thing whenever it comes to doing talks, and like I said, don't just arrive on time, arrive early. And when you arrive early, ask, if you, if you want to keep getting invited back, what you want to be is the perfect guest speaker. Arrive early, do they need a hand setting up? Stay afterwards, answer questions. Do they need a hand putting things away? Go and make someone a cup of tea or coffee. Well, you're going to make one for yourself. Would you like a cup of tea or coffee? Is just be the best guest. And when you do that, I tell you, you keep getting invited back. Whenever I've done public speaking at any conference, I will always get there early. I will always ask if they need a hand setting up. I always hang around. Do they need a hand pulling anything down? And when you do that, you get invited back to speak again. So it's it's be a gracious guest. Yeah, be, be a good human. Be helpful. Yeah, don't be, provide, you know, don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. That's 
that's that we should call this episode don't be an asshole it's one of those things where i've seen speakers rock in right on time do their talk and zip straight back out the door again and you go wow even if the talk was good it's sort of doesn't leave a great great taste in your mouth. But getting back onto making your services <laughs> center stage, I also think it's it's a good opportunity too to maybe what you love doing have it reflected in your business name is a is an opportunity as well. So I know some people that love diabetes and high risk patients, but they'll call themselves the family podiatry clinic. Okay. Well, it's a bit beige. Do you really want to see the whole family or is there certain areas that you'd like? So if you like diabetes, why not be family podiatry and diabetes clinic or family podiatry and high-risk foot clinic? Is target, make the business name a little bit longer to bring in what you want to do. If you like running, maybe running should be in the business name or if you like orthotics, maybe orthotics should be in the business name. Now, I think you point, you point out a huge opportunity there that I don't think enough people are doing currently. There's a, uh, a clinic in Chicago called The Running Clinic. Yeah, and, uh, I wonder what they do. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then there's a, a, physio, a physio clinic uh, in Quebec City near me that's it's also called you know The Running Clinic. So, I mean, if you, if you kind of like put yourself, like you said, centers the exact kind of care you want to provide more of, it's only natural that people that aren't that don't know everything that we do or have this kind of specialized knowledge like we do about a profession to see a flyer for that, see that on the internet, see read that and just see themselves as being that ideal patient for that clinic based off of the way it's been positioned with, with the brand name or the clinic name. But it even comes back to simple stuff like paid advertising. Like the last episode or was the episode before that we spoke a bit about Google ads and whether it's Facebook ads or any sort of paid advertising, it could be old school, newspaper, magazine, could be radio, TV. If you're going to spend money advertising, then make sure you're spending money advertising and marketing on the services that you like most and the things you want to do more of and make that center stage. I've seen some podiatry ads where they will, it'll be a print ad, and they'll have 25 different things that they do in that print ad. And I just go, I'm confused reading it. And I know what the, and, and, I, and I, I'm a podiatrist and I know what you do, but I, I just see it as a big mess. And I've seen other people use the same space and put one message there. Heel pain, for example. And I go, oh, I wonder what they treat. So to me, it's when you're trying to say too much on websites, too much in all your marketing, whether it's paid or free advertising, too much in a community talk, and you don't focus on what you love doing, what you want to do more of, it becomes really beige, the message becomes beige, it becomes diluted like a bad rum and coke. Whereas if you really just focus in and make it center stage in everything that you do, you will see more of what you love doing, and you'll see less of what you don't like doing. Makes sense to me. And some people, if you're not sure what you like doing, then do the opposite. What's called inversion thinking is write the opposite, but write a list of all the things you don't like doing. And that will help you find out what you do like doing more of. And then when you figure that out and you go, okay, look at your website. Does that reflect what I like doing most? And if you look at your website and go, oh no, not really. It looks just like the other four podiatrists down the road. Then do something a little bit different. No, that makes sense to me. Cause I think I, I like, I like that kind of invert, inverted perspective or kind of like, you know, uh, addition by subtraction, I guess, is, is what you could call it, because um, t just because you've been trained on something or 
you know that you have the ability to do it doesn't necessarily mean you want to see that in your practice. But like you said, though, it's it's tempting to want to like show all the things like, you know, everything is up oh, there. Yeah. So you're not you're not having anybody, you know, like fall through you know, through your fingers. But um, at the same time, when, when, you, when you don't have a specialty or you don't have some differentiating um, aspect of your practice, um, then it, may, it makes it for you to, easy to look exactly like someone down the road. Um, or some other um, podiatry clinic. Well, I, I I know when we had our clinic here in Cairns, I knew for a fact that our evaluations at the time were better. The orthotics that we made were better. I had my own lab on site. You could have them within an hour if you wanted to hang around. If we if we knew ahead of time, guaranteed same day or twenty four hours later. I knew we provided all those services. So that was center stage. When you went to our website, you knew. That's what we did. You knew that you could hit your orthotics 24 hours guaranteed, no questions asked, or same day if we planned it ahead of time. So if I provided that service so much better than everybody else, why would I not have it center stage? And I know there's some podiatrists that they do things so much better than everybody else, whether it's diabetes evaluations, and they love doing it. So why not make that center stage and tell everyone, I do this better than every other podiatrist in my area. But instead they're like, oh no, I don't. Yeah, what happens? I might miss the other person down the road here that wants something else done. Don't worry about them. Just focus on what it is that you love doing, what you want to do more of. And especially if you know you're better than other people in your area at providing that service. I think it's really important to do that. I totally agree. I think you have to be okay with differentiating yourself and saying no to some of the things or at least not displaying the things that you're really not that interested in practice. But it takes a little bit of time uh, of self-reflection, um, you know, to be confident in, in the skills that you have attained and kind of where you're at in your practice. Maybe that's a little bit easier for someone. You know, I think maybe the first five years of practice, you know, some people feel like, okay, like, I just, you know, I've been in school for so long. I'm just out of residency. I just kind of want to do all those things. And I'll kind of like, maybe I'll think about this later, but uh, you bring up some good points and, you know, crafting out that, um, th those services that you want to put center stage a little bit earlier uh, in, in a profession or in a, in a career um, will just allow you to kind of build upon that and gain momentum over time, as opposed to like, you know, 10, 15 years into practice trying to do an about face in a way. Yeah, but I think when you're first starting out in business, though, it is like if I was just setting up a clinic first time, maybe I'd worked somewhere for a couple of years and I was just setting up my own practice, you may want to see everybody initially because you don't really know what you like doing until you actually have the choice to do it. So when you're working with somebody else, a lot of times you don't have a choice. You're, you're told that you're seeing these patients on these days, these are your hours, and you might go, oh, I really love runners and I want to do more sports. I hate doing all this general work because it was thrown at you so much. But when you've got your own business and you start bringing in the type of content that you want to bring in, because you might find the person you're working for had lower standards. They aimed at low-hanging fruit. So the type of patients that came in for general podiatry may not have been the nicest patients. They might have been, you know, for your clinic, they may have been C or D patients that you would have get rid of. But if you have A and B type clients that come in who are also general patients, who pay their bills on time, are really polite, they're nice, they actually have clean feet when they came in, they wear footwear, all of a sudden your thinking on general podiatry may change a little bit. You might go, actually general podiatry is not as disgusting as I thought it was. 
I don't mind doing it. And even though my clinic, like I said, center stage, orthotics, sports, that's what we did. 30% of our workload was still general patients, but there were only A and B type patients. We didn't have any C's or D's. But it makes sense though to like ramp up to a point where you're, you know, hitting kind of a critical mass. You know, if you're starting a practice yeah. or you're just new in trio practice, like ramp it up to get, you know, do as much work as you can. And then once it's at that critical mass, that's a that's maybe a better time to kind of sit back, think about, you know, look at your book, see what's, you know, what makes financial sense, what makes kind of professional satisfaction sense in a way. Where's that kind of crossover, that kind of Venn diagram where those two things come together. And then, you know, when new patients call or you're trying to make some changes in your marketing or really, you know, create kind of a public image of who you are and what you want to put center stage, then you're able to kind of do that a little bit more informed instead of just maybe pulling something out of thin air in a way. Oh, definitely. I, I mentioned it before. A dentist that I knew, when he set his clinic up, said, I'm prepared to see anyone that'll pay me a dollar. Once he got booked out where he couldn't fit anybody else in, he said, I'm now prepared to see anyone that'll pay me $2. So I don't think there's a problem like you can either set a clinic up from day dot, this is what I'm going to do, I need this type area of podiatry, and I've done that and I've done it successfully. Or you can say, I'm going to set a business up where I'm covering all aspects of podiatry and once I get to a critical mass, I'm going to adjust my pricing or I'm going to change certain things to limit certain types of patients and I've done that successfully. So I don't think one way is better than another, it's just... You need to know what you like doing, what you love doing, what you want to do more of, make it center stage. And over time, it, it may take a couple of years before you really figure out what it is that you love doing. But if you're not sure, start writing a list of things you don't like doing, and, and at least that will help sort of narrow it down a little bit more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that's, uh, you know, having that objective, you know, and thinking forward and kind of like walking yourself towards that objective, whether it be what you want to do or what you don't want to do, um, can be definitely a beneficial exercise for anybody that's in practice. Yeah. So I think I've covered my topic today. That's, um, if you've got anything else to add, Jim, I'm done. I'm war- I just warm myself no. out. <laughs> no, no, I think that was great. I think, you know, I definitely was able to jump in there and some of my ideas, you know, I think, like you like you mentioned previously as well, I think that um, when you're an associate or you're uh, you don't own your own practice, you, you do kind of get what mm. comes your way. Um, but there are still still ways within that you know frame of reference to like um, within that kind of work agreement to build yourself up. So maybe when even when you like leap to your own practice, you've already built up that reputation. Like it's you know working at events or you said you know like events specific to what you want to see more of. Um, but there's 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 ways of making that transition. But no, you talked you touched uh, really well on this topic today. I I, I learned a little bit and uh, definitely enjoyed the uh, the conversation. Well, that just made me thought. I reckon a great topic in the future. I'm not sure when we'll do it. Is building your own personal brand. That's a really really important topic. No, I think there's that that that's huge. I think you know we'll put we that on our list. You know, yeah, we'll put that on the list because I think it's it's easy to think about board certification and all these different meetings to go to and that stuff. But I think you know how you build that that local reputation or that nationwide or international reputation for yourself is not something that just kind of like automatically happens. So I think that's a, a great topic for a future show. Yeah. Okay, Jim. Nice talking to you, and I'll talk again next week. All right, Tyson. See you later. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.